Welcome to Learning with Lisa, Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast with Lisa Navarra, award-winning educator, consultant, behavior specialist, author, and parent. With one definition or acronym um, that you had used that we did not explain to the um, our listeners, and that was a 504 plan. Can you just explain to them what that is? Sure. So the 504, so when your child is an IEP, they're actually part of special education. 504 is not part of special education. A 504 accommodation plan is provided um, by the school um, for, again, a child who, who meets for special education has shown that their disability, their diagnosis, um, that impacts their ability to access the curriculum. So their school, their grades are probably failing or underachieving. A 504 plan is for those students who their presentation, it can be a variety of things, can be a medical disorder, anxiety, ADHD, um, is impacting their learning, but not to the extent that they require special education. So 504 can be, um, I'm seeing more and more comprehensive 504 plans. It can include many things. It can include things like, for example, testing accommodations, extended time, separate location, breaks. Um, it can include preferential seating. It can include, um, uh, counseling support. So it inc can include multiple things, but it's a less formalized. The IEP is very formal, very structured, includes goals that have to be met, et cetera. The 504 is really just information um, regarding the specific supports that your child needs, but it's not as comprehensive. It doesn't include so many goals and that kind of thing. Um, so it's, it's different in that way. It's not a special education resource. It's an additional resource provided. Um, it's a bit less structured, but can be accessed by students with many different presentations. And how would a parent um, go about learning more or saying my child's struggling? Where do they go to question? What's this 504? Who do they talk to in school? So I think it, one of their best first stops is the school psychologist. The school psychologist can provide a lot of information about that. You know, if you're just kind of having a general conversation, you can reach out to the teachers and they can give you a little bit of information. But again, head over to the school psychologist, behavioral specialist, the, you know, the principals, of course, can also provide that information, but um, those, those the, for example, the school psychologist can provide you with, what is it, with your child, are they kind of in that realm, and then provide the next steps to being referred to the 504 committee. 504s and IEPs, I get this question all the time, and I think it's confusing for parents. Some parents don't even know what a 504 is if you have an IEP, and if you have a 504, you don't know what an IEP is. So a 504 is... Actually, it's easier for me to explain an IEP first. An IEP is an individualized education program, of course. And this really is a qualification process. They have to fall under one of these 13 different categories set out by federal law. And really what they're saying is they're meeting a checklist criteria that they have some sort of disability or delay to qualify them for services. Now, the IEP has so much more than that because I think the four most important sections of that IEP are the present levels, which just mm -hmm. says, what are they able to do now? What are they struggling with now? And it should read like a picture of your kid. You should be able to see your kid in the classroom and you should be able to tell exactly what they look like in the classroom. And then- That's right. I want to stop you right yeah. there for a second, yeah. because sometimes as educators, you know, we want to get all that information in there. And writing an IEP is an extensive process. It's no joke. It's really very, very well thought out. It's a lot of information. But I think sometimes we want to get all that data and information in. It's really important to remember, you know what? We love teaching. Just write it as a narrative. 
write it as, you know, um, Beth has been working really hard and being able to focus and self-regulate. She uses her visuals and she particularly likes the launch tool and she uses it when she's reading. And that helps her to be able to support her reading on the Z level of reading or whatever it is. So really what you're saying, I think could be helpful for everybody to hear. Absolutely. There's two different kinds of data, right? There's that number data, which we get so stuck in sometimes. We want to see that number data, which is absolutely important. But there's also that qualitative data, which is exactly what you just said. And especially if you're having some conflict, either the parents or teachers, if you're having some conflict, especially around like paraeducation support or one-on-one -on -one support, this is a perfect opportunity to really provide a description of hey, if there's a paraeducator in that classroom, what does it look like? How much support are they actually needing? Do they need that for safety? And you can write in there, gosh, they really need to be in there for safety. Or is it a celebration that that para is able to kind of step back and give some independence and all of a sudden they're allowed to float around the room and then keep their eye on this particular student and kind of circle back around and give support as needed. But maybe that's an opportunity to pull back on that support a little bit more and provide independence. But you're not necessarily going to know that by numbers. Oh, they have this many minutes per week of paraeducation support. Well, what does that look like? What accommodations are being provided? There's two very clear sets of data. And that's why a really good present level section is so long. It's so huge, but it needs to be. You know, you don't have to be too long winded about it, but it does need to have a really good picture so that anybody picking up that IEP, if there's a special education teacher that leaves, if there's a general education teacher that looks at that IEP, everybody should be able to really picture that kid in their brain and say, oh, okay, I have a somewhat of a semblance of idea of what this kid looks like in the classroom and what supports they need, right? Yeah, it's really important also to communicate with. Um, the other people who are involved in giving those supports to those students mm -hmm. so that you can continue doing it in your classroom and reinforce those things. And honestly, at the end of the day, you're helping the child to continue to grow and learn and get through whatever it is that they're working on right now that they're struggling with right now because at the end of the day your IEP is not a be-all end-all as I said before you can grow and learn and figure out how to navigate life outside of that thank you for listening to the student success beyond expectations podcast where school leaders educators and parents meet on behalf of children who struggle with learning